As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this early on Sunday evening, a couple of days after the men's 3-3 draw with Southampton. An hour and a half after the women drew 2-2 with Wolfsburg away in the Champions League first leg. And a couple of hours after Spurs got beaten 6-1 by Newcastle. (laughs) Thank you, Tottenham. The gift that keeps on giving. Just remember, everybody, Thursday is Spursday. Anyway... I'm joined by Adrian Clark and making his debut on the podcast, Jordan Campbell. Uh, afternoon, chaps. Hello. Yeah, afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us. You've been covering Arsenal six weeks. We won once, right? Yeah. Once <laughs> I think, in I think, that time. I think the numbers are nine games played, four wins, and of the games I've actually attended, it's been one, one, and four. So keep away, man. Keep just. I mean, listen. We don't mind you on the podcast, but just just stay away from the M's. <laughs> Or anywhere where Arsenal are playing, in any capacity. All My right. mates up in Glasgow have said that Rangers have started winning. Uh, apart from when they play Celtic, they've started winning since I've left and Arsenal started <laughs> losing, so um, they're calling me the jinx. Jonah Campbell, I called him before you got on. <laughs> Jonah Campbell. Uh, anyway, there have been some pretty bad takes from Friday night, uh, the 3 all draw with Southampton. Uh, what's the worst one you've seen, by the way? Adrian, what's the worst take you've seen? You've seen any pretty bad ones? <laughs> a few. I read a few on the way home from the yeah. game. Everyone very emotional. But for me, the king of bad takes is, is, is Keezy. We know that. Um, yep. it's, it's always a bad take. As far as Richard Keyes is concerned, especially this season, and I don't know if you've seen his latest rant. He's, he's on about Arteta again, waving waving his arms around on the touchline. Basically, Still. Still. he's com- he's compared Arteta Arteta's emotion to Kevin Keegan losing his rag uh, that year with Newcastle, and Steven Gerrard getting a you know case of the sort of wobblies. Um, when they won the title. He's basically saying, because we over-celebrate against Fulham, back in, when was it? August or September? Yeah. It's haunted us. It's come back to haunt us. And that he's, we are now just like Keegan's Newcastle and Gerrard's Liverpool. I'm sorry, Keezy. You're an absolute muppet. You are an absolute muppet. Away with you, you hairy-handed freak you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
was, that sounded sort of vaguely Scottish, actually, uh, I felt, Jordan, to be honest with you. What, what about you? Any uh, Arteta out, any of that nonsense? I mean, it is, it is hard to top Keezy, who really it has is. taken that touchline umbrage to a different level, hasn't he? Um, but <laughs> I think I saw, you know, the Arteta out. I don't know if it was the Arsenal fan TV, but there was definitely one guy there who just completely had lost the head. And another guy phoned in Talksport, I think he was saying, I've told you so, I've told you so, Arteta's never the right man for the job. No. Uh, he's got us here and now he's bottled it, basically. And um, clearly he's got a, a lot of perspective, that guy. So, yeah, um, um, yeah I think I think that's got to be the top one. But one of the more niche ones was I saw someone doing like a, a screen grab of the Ramsdale mistake. And they're trying to blame... I mean, I know Rob Holden gets a lot of... You know, he's a bit of the, the straw man here, but um, it, I saw like someone was trying to blame him for the fact that he was vaguely pointing forwards. <laughs> it's like, as if he mind-controlled Ramsdale to like p- direct his pass straight to Southampton. Um, I thought, Chris, the guy gets enough stick without um, blaming him it's for true. stuff that he hasn't done. But, yeah. He made me. He made me do <laughs> yeah. it, he made me. On On that, because I've, I've watched the game back, and, and Thomas Partey's clearly telling Aaron Ramsdale to pass it to Holding. Passing to hold, he's got his arm out, saying "Go that way." So he, but he's, he's just gone for the he's gone for the the brave pass, but it was a, a foolhardy pass, wasn't it? We'll get we'll, to that. Well, we will get to that. As I mentioned, the Arteta out brigade—they're still out there. They are still out there. People, I do think people are entitled to their viewpoint. I absolutely do. Uh, but asking for the manager to be sacked when let's not forget we're five points clear at the top of the table seems. Well, when it's in our own hands to win the title, seems a little extreme to me. Now, before we talk about the game on Friday, uh, we're joined by David Ornstein, who brings news from the front. <laughs> Evening, David. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you've been better. How are we doing, guys? I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, we know what this news is, but you're going to tell us now. Uh, it's not going to be news that Arsenal fans will like very much. What have you got for us, David? Yeah, I'd like to say, unfortunately, it was beginning to look inevitable, Stony. So I'm not entirely the bearer of bad news. I'm not shooting the messenger, you understand. Yeah, but yeah. what have you got? I do feel guilty about this. Yeah, unfortunately for Arsenal fans and, and the club, um, William Saliba... Uh, is out of Wednesday's game against Manchester City. Of course, he's not featured since March the 16th when he went off in the first half of the Sporting Lisbon Europa League quarterfinal, second leg tie, last 16, I should say. And it didn't look good that night, but there was, there's was there been a lot of uncertainty about this issue. It, it sounds quite complicated, lower back, monitoring day-to-day and unclear if and when he can return to training, whether he could be pushed to play. Obviously, the first couple of Premier League games after that went quite well. I think they were both 4-1 wins. Um, but since then, there have been three draws. And, you know, there have been some reports in, in recent weeks that Arsenal might try and get him back, that he might push himself to return in time for the crucial game against Manchester City. Mikel Arteta, speaking on Thursday last week, suggested that his progress was not uh, going at the speed that had been hoped. And yeah, in my Monday column, we're reporting that he is out of the game. Recent assessments have not shown sufficient progress with his recovery. And sadly for Arsenal fans, he's also likely to miss the Chelsea game a week on Tuesday. And there are growing concerns that he may now miss the rest of the season. And that is not confirmed. I think Arsenal would still like to try and get him back because there are massive games still to come. But I think... 
it's looking increasingly doubtful that we'll see William Saliba again this season and certainly not at the Etihad Stadium with, I presume, Rob Holding likely to deputise again if Mikel Arteta goes with what he's gone with until now. Well, we'll certainly talk about that in a short while. I mean, David, 27 games with William Saliba, 0.9 goals against, 78% win percentage. Five games without him, 1.8 goals against, 40% win percentage. We can see twice as many big chances without him as with him. Um, Adrian, I know you love a stat, but I'm not sure we like that one. David, I mean, it's, it's, it is, I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't want to lose perspective over this, but mm-hmm. it is a disaster, isn't it, to lose William Saliba for this period of of the season? Yeah. Any period, really. Yeah, I mean, our listeners will be wincing when you read through those stats because it confirms what they've seen with their own eyes, that Arsenal have been far more vulnerable defensively without him in the team. And, you know, they were conceding chances and, and, and riding their luck a bit before his injury. You think back to the Bournemouth game, but... It's no exaggeration to say he has been colossal this season. Uh, He's been ever-present until this injury in the Premier League. He's probably exceeded expectations, even though there was a a lot of hype around him in the, what was it, three years that he was out on loan. And, you know, he's even been a threat in, in the attacking third as well. I remember that goal at Bournemouth and other contributions too. Um, he's fitted in seamlessly. He's formed a great combination with Gabriel. And Gabriel himself, I feel, has looked far less assured in the absence of Saliba. He's broken through into the France setup in that period as well. There's also the extremely significant issue of his contract that needs to be sorted out with Arsenal hoping to renew him. But to our knowledge, no significant, meaningful progress in that either. And I think his importance to Arsenal, and that will be a factor in this contract negotiation, has been underlined by how they've been performing without him. And uh, it will be a major blow. But the feeling around Arsenal in recent weeks, it must be said, is that his season could well be over. So I don't think this will be a massive shock to him. I don't think Manchester City will be entirely surprised because intelligence moves around in this industry. Um, But yeah, our report is definitely something that will uh, not be welcomed by uh, fans of Arsenal. Uh, Adrian, um, Mm. one thing before I let David go. Mm. I mean, mean, David mentioned there about uh, Gabriel Magalhaes looking less self-assured partnerships are so important on the pitch aren't they and and he's that partnership with the two of them we've been missing that and we will miss that going forward it's the partnership we've been craving for years and years isn't it and and yeah they, they work very well together both incredibly athletic and I think that that has the knock-on effect of their of their proactiveness their their ability to sort of squeeze up the pitch knowing they've got the pace to get back just makes Arsenal much more difficult to play against when they when they feature, and of course with Rob there, there's that there's that concern. We need to maybe drop back a couple of yards here or there, and and that creates a bigger hole. You, you could also say that Thomas Partey's form has been affected since William Saliba has been yeah. out, and maybe that's because he's having to cover a little bit more ground inside the heart of that that, that central midfield. So yeah, look, the knock on effect is, is is really big. And it's it's a hammer blow, isn't it? It's a partnership with Ben White as well. It, you don't want... We know that M- Mikel Arteta was very married to his first choice 11. And uh, yeah, the, at the time when we need it most, it, it's not going to be available. So yeah, real, real bad news, this. 
Jordan, anything to add? No, I would just echo that, is that it's not just the centre-half next to him, it's the, it's the right-back, it's the goalkeeper, it's the it's the holding midfielder, you know, the team's so connected and, you know, it's up there with some of the previous title-winning teams for the consistency of selection and uh, I think you could, you, you know, Arteta, if he was ever trying to vary it, it would maybe be White for Tommy Asu or Tierney for Zinchenko, just to alter it slightly, but the two bedrocks of the team and I firmly believe that a lot of teams build for the foundation up um, was those two um, and I even think Arsenal just playing their natural game and feeling secure that they can go to the half li- halfway line and press you lose that without without Saliba and Holden's maybe a bit less sure to push up alongside Gabriel who yeah does look a little bit shaky at times when he's 1v1 defending has been tremendous up until now but the last couple of weeks he's been he's been found out in that department uh d- David, uh, <laughs> I mean, we should do an Ornstein lament every the week. Doom <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, who, you got to go off. I know you got to go off and upset someone else now. I imagine we're going to uh, sign Declan Rice, aren't we? Only just tell us that now, yeah. <laughs> yeah tell us that. Yeah, yeah. Give us that news. Uh, it, it is going to be a busy summer for Arsenal. I'm sure that midfield position they're looking to strengthen. I, I will be intrigued to see what they do at centre half. I think maybe Holding. Does he have a year to go on his contract? And Look, he's done really well and, and this is an Arsenal career that's been punctuated by, or punctured I should say, by a uh, really bad knee injury and the mind cast back to that semi-final against Manchester City at Wembley all those years ago and Arsenal fans singing his name and he's a very popular figure around the club. He's a high-level player but these are really fine margins and, and you just saw that little difference, the sort of slightly unfortunate clumsy, you could say, penalty given away at Anfield. And those were things that maybe Saliba wasn't doing equally, as Jordan points out, with Gabriel, you know, not spotting Jarrah Bowen over his shoulder, for instance, at, at West Ham. And Kivior's come to the club. I think he was always maybe seen as as a backup player for the left-sided central defence and, and hasn't featured too much. And, you know, what what they'll decide to do with with Rob Holding and now they're looking at being in the Champions League next season. Will they look to upgrade in central defence? I don't think it was one of their key priority positions. Maybe still isn't because of that need in midfield with the, the holding position um, at six and, and maybe even an eight. There's been a lot of links with Mason Mount and, and he is a player that Arsenal, among others, such as Manchester United, Liverpool, uh, Thomas Tuchel at Bayern Munich like, but defence um, is clearly one that, that they'll have to give food for thought to if they want to really challenge in, in Europe's top competition. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll bring us the news as soon as you've got it. Thanks, David. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
we were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Arsenal three, Southampton three. Um, yeah, what we wanted was a controlled uh, victory, get a bit of confidence uh, back against the bottom side of the league before we have the big one uh, at the Etihad against Man City. Anyway, we went a goal down after just 30 seconds, two down after 10 minutes, and the whole night was frantic and a little bit desperate, and we somehow got a three-all draw. That And, and for the third week running, uh, Adrian, uh, is it two points... Uh, lost or one point gained. We're having that conversation again, although I know what you're going to say this time. <laughs> well, it's obviously two points dropped because we all we all had this down as a as a three point win, a, a comfy one as well, and it should have been. But, but but even so, I'm so conflicted because we were three one down in the 87th minute. So you you have to accept that point, kind of gratefully in the end. Um, they did show a bit of character. They, that, you know, the last twenty minutes was was a siege on their goal, wasn't it? But what went before it was wasn't of a good enough standard. Certainly not without the ball. Um, yeah, our off the ball structure is really fragile at the moment. I want to I want to ask you about that, Adrian. The yeah. off the ball structure. We'll get to that though. We will get to that, Jordan. You've sort of come late to this. I mean, obviously you've been watching the Arsenal games, but now you're sort of going to see them and. Obviously, and I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm genuinely not. But Art de Roche, uh, sometimes of this parish, wrote a piece about how he, we want to bring back boring Arsenal. It's all a bit exciting and emotional at the moment. Do you sense that when you're watching them? Yeah, I did. I, I did it against Southampton, but the first half surprised me because the problem in the two previous games against Liverpool and West Ham was that they were almost two camp. They started playing like this clinical type of football as if there was no nerves whatsoever. And then it was like when the opposition upped, upped their game, up the gears, that Arsenal just couldn't go with them. Um, whereas Southampton was the complete opposite of that, where it just felt like they were shaky from the very start. Um, yeah, and really just couldn't nervous. find... Just nobody could seem to get take control. And I even thought Zinchenko, like, I could get why he was trying to show a bit of leadership, but... It wasn't like a calm huddle. <laughs> it's like the most frantic huddle you've ever seen to try and calm people, you know. And it just looked like it just looked like it was adding to the tension, and they were they were really feeling the pressure. Whereas against Liverpool in, in West in West Ham, I still didn't really fear for Arsenal sort of falling apart structure wise. I thought they looked a little flat um, once the other teams got on top, but that can happen to you at Anfield. That can happen. Well, West Ham team who sort of are hot and cold and are a powerful team, but against Southampton, I just don't think they have enough to be able to to really make Arsenal look that fragile, um, and that's the the big worry. And Adrian, this off the ball structure you were talking about, the second goal, I was raging for the second goal. I mean, I know Erdegaard gave it away; I could see what he was trying to do, but suddenly the guy's running through the centre of our midfield. And he can play the ball inside the fullback or whoever it was who was back there. It might have been Gabriel, I can't remember. And Theo Walcott runs on, finishes like he never really finished for Arsenal, by the <laughs> way. I never saw such an assured finish. What's going on with our with our structure when we haven't got the ball? Um, it's difficult because earlier on in the season, we weren't doing th- things that differently, but we were just beating the press that that much sharper we were that bit 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 uh, better on the ball one and two touch slicing through teams and having Erdegaard and Xhaka or Vieira in this case in advanced areas wasn't an issue 
But against West Ham, you know, those two are very high, the two box-to-box midfielders. And we were, we're like, four, we're leaving ourselves 4v4 at the back. And if someone presses us and nicks the ball, they are right on us. And in this game, it was similar. Southampton were really aggressive and it troubled us. It definitely knocked us out of our rhythm. And, and for that goal, having looked back at it, it is, it is a little bit what we were talking about with, with, with Orny there, with Rob Holding. He's with Alcaraz and he's quite tight to him. But then as soon as the ball goes across, he drops about five yards deeper than anybody else. And that makes the difference because they turn the ball over, they feed it into Alcaraz, where Holding should be. And I would have expected Saliba to be there, touch tight, don't let him turn. But Challenging he's five him, yards yeah. off. And, and from there, Gabriel panics like he did really at London Stadium and he's been brilliant this season I've loved Gabriel but it's meat and drink he's in a great position to defend Theo Walcott and and then he he hesitates at, at absolutely the wrong time he's on the right path he just has to make a straight run he intercepts that ball but he takes his eye off the ball he hesitates he runs towards Theo and that's the moment he slid in inside him and, and it's game over so you know a couple of mistakes I think from our centre halves there uh, on that goal but look you talk, you said we looked edgy from the beginning we would, we were 1-0 down right from the beginning before we really had a touch of the ball and that, and that I think explains that you know it was a, it's a, an individual error from, from the goalkeeper isn't it and, and you start the game with a handicap oh, On the second goal and talking about Arsenal being susceptible to counters that to me, is is the biggest change in the last five six games. I mean, even I think people forget the Leeds game because it ended up being four one. Leeds must have countered about four or five times in the first half and could have easily scored a couple of goals. Um, there was a few moments where the stadium was a bit on edge because they looked so open. Um, and I guess like Zinchenko's sort of narrow position, White, you know, playing a bit deeper at times to form a back three. That's meant to protect against that, but I don't know whether. Arteta now has to think about, I know he doesn't like change, moving away from his, his settled system because it's got them to where they are. Maybe being able to vary it like Man City is maybe something for next season, but does he need to think about the balance there? Well, to, we'll you know. talk, I mean, we're, we're talking specifically about uh, Wednesday and then onwards as well through the rest of the season. Now we've heard from Orny about the fact that we're unlikely to have William Saliba for most of it. We'll get to that. Thomas Partey tried to beat Declan Rice in the game against West Ham, gave the ball away. Uh, he feeds their forward, who uh, was it Pakatar, I think it was, uh, who goes down and gets fouled and penalty and then again gives away the corner for 3-1 I mean Thomas Pye has been doing stuff like that all season but it seems a little more high risk now Adrian or am I just saying that because of what's happened yeah maybe maybe because of what's happened it's obviously highlighted this is Declan Rice we're talking about Adrian it's a player we may want to have at Arsenal next season and you're trying to flick the ball over his head on the edge of the penalty area. And then again against Southampton the other mm. day. That's two goals that we're giving away there. It is, yeah. And what I would also say is that not not the best balls into him as well. I think certainly the one against Southampton was a tricky one. What he did, The mistake he makes, he takes it on his back foot. And that allows James Ward-Prowse to, to come in, steam in and, 
and win that turnover and then they get the corner, don't they? So, look, it looks bad on him that we've conceded two goals where he's caught on the ball. Um, but I don't know, he's been such a key player for us and I, I'm loath to, to be that critical because even in this game, when I think most of us would agree he wasn't at his best, he was still the one that was progressing the ball probably much better than anybody else in terms of feeding Bukayo Saka, slipping the ball into Martin Erdegaard. Think about the the goal that we scored, the Martinelli goal. There he is, quite deep, kind of next to Rob Holding. He's patient, he's patient, he waits and waits, and he slips a lovely little pass to Zinchenko through two players. Zinchenko onto Erdegaard, Erdegaard onto Saka, and we're at them, and we score. He's, he still brings... Far more positives than he does negatives, in my opinion. Um, he's just, yeah, he's been caught out a couple of times and it's it's not a great look. No. Jordan, Gabriel Jesus, I mean, he's, you know, he's the heat map he played against West Ham and he was everywhere. Some people have been saying he's dropping a bit deep and also his XG, he's not up where his XG should be in terms of goal scoring. I mean, in the end... <sighs> We do get goals from all over the pitch and we got a lot of goals this season. But that chance we had at 3-1 to get us straight back in the game, uh, he should have buried that. He should, certainly should have hit the target, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a great ball in. Um, if you were going to try and defend him, you would say that he was stretching, so it's sort of difficult to, to get your foot over it. But I think he was there in, in time and got and got enough power on it to be able just to, to, to direct it. Um, it was the same with a, a header as well that came in later on where he, he tries yeah, to like header, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he tries to like completely obliterate the ball when he should have just should have just guided it and I, I think that's the the difficult thing with Jesus is that everyone knows how important he is to Arsenal he can he's different to any other type of player that, are, that they've got but while you can appreciate that well he doesn't just do goals that's always been the message you know he, he completely changes the team he can take the ball by players he can really inject that pace into attacks but now when it comes to the crunch and you might only get two chances a game, you sort of need a number nine who you are going to put your hedge your bets on um, all the time. So I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think he was bought because he was a Haaland level finisher. But I think that's the difficulty now is that would you, if you've one chance against City, would you back him 10 times out of 10 to, to put it away? Probably not. But I think because he's so important, you have to sort of accept that he's not going to be as clinical as maybe you want him to be and that's just the reality of what it is it doesn't detract from how good he is but um, yeah I, I, I think he, he probably regrets a couple of his finishes the other night yeah yeah look his finishing is, it hasn't been great of, of late has it we still love him he's still he's still a tremendous player he makes things happen but yeah we need him to be more clinical if we're to get what we want at the end of the season he's going to have to hit a hot streak um, it's as simple as that on that, on that touch map against West Ham, it was a strange one. It was like he was Wayne Rooney back in the day, just wanting to play in every position on the pitch and, and link everything. And, and he just had way too many touches inside our own half and, and basically no touches. And this is a fact, basically no touches in the centre-forward position. So I think, I, th- I think Mikel Arteta would have had a word with him there because in this game, he didn't do that. In this match, almost all of his touches were in were in um, the opposition half. The first half, I thought he was too quiet and it didn't affect the game enough. I think in the second half alone, he had 14 touches inside the box. You know, he did make things happen. 
it's just that in those those key moments he, he he snatched, didn't he? And and that can happen to the best of us, but but yeah, we need him. We need him to sharpen up to 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 get those goals in key moments. Plus, Clark, I think just later on you saw when when he actually pinned the defender and asked him were able to play into play into him. It, it, that's where you want him jinking and turning and using his strength because he's really deceptively strong for the size. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I think he just. Look, I get obviously it's important to overload the middle, but sometimes he seems to clog it up when when really like if Arsenal are struggling for rhythm, maybe it's best just to to try and evacuate that area because if you've got Martinelli or, or or Saka, you know if if they come in and they're replacing them, fine, but they tend to hold their width. So sometimes there's just nobody occupying centre backs, and Vieira and Odegaard aren't the types of number eights, number tens who are really really going to running behind the other ball players so it's a difficult one all right that's enough uh for the uh negativity about what's happened um i mean i mean i uh, amy was a beacon of optimism uh the other day stick with the team telling the supporters to stick with the team by the way people who leave early there are quite a lot of people left early i was at the game friday it's plenty of people who want, who left around the 80th minute? I mean, I understand you're upset. And by the way, do you not think that we want to leave as well? I mean, I would <laughs> happily have gone home three-one, but I thought no, stay and watch and watch the team and support the team. I mean, goodness me, Adrian, they deserve <laughs> that much, don't they? Well, well, what they've well, given this season? Oh, definitely. And I wouldn't have left. My my main gripe after the game on on the breakdown live was was we wasted 20 minutes. Maybe more. I think we wasted twenty three minutes of that second half from f- from four, the start of the start of the second half until when Southampton scored. Do you know how many shots we had? Well, I imagine it's none. None. <laughs> none. We made yeah. around two hundred passes and had no shots. Yeah. <laughs> from then on, I think we had about fourteen. Yeah. It was it was as if we were waiting for the grandstand finish. I wouldn't have been. Le- I wouldn't have left the ground given given the way that we were throwing everything at it and and given the the character the, the, the character. players have showed all season. You know, yeah, so. that's that's the point, Jordan. This character of this team. I mean. We know that Martinelli and Saka never hide, right? Even in a poor performance like that, they still put in a shift and they scored goals and it's absolutely fantastic. But the character of this team, I mean, so many late goals. As soon as Martin Erdegaard scored that goal, and by the way, it came from the players, I think, this time, rather than the crowd. The crowd were pretty subdued. Martin Erdegaard scored. The crowd was suddenly lifted. One of the loudest atmospheres I've ever been from then till the end. Uh, did you have any doubt that we would equalise? I mean, I actually was... I mean, I think a lot of people were disappointed that we didn't win, especially when eight minutes came up. But that shows you the character of the team, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it's strange. How they looked completely dead and buried. And then within the matter of three minutes, it felt inevitable that they were going to get the fourth. I think that's the power of this team. And Nketiah against Man U, Jorginho against Villa, you know, all of these goals that they've had, you know, Nelson against Bournemouth... That, when you start racking them up, it does add that belief even when you are in those difficult moments. But I think it is chicken and egg. You know, you said, was it the crowd or the or the team that produced it? I think the team got themselves off the canvas yes. on Friday. But I, I think it was it was very important that the players did that because there's only so many times you can be sort of willed into action. Um, and I think the fact that Martinelli and Saka are the two guys that they take the responsibility, they're going to drive the team on. I think for two guys who are so young and attacking players as well can sometimes be the hardest positions to to really to really take the game by the scuff of the neck. But 
I'd like to see Odegaard, you know, he did it against West Ham as well, late on, and he did it against Southampton. As soon as he got on the ball, it just felt like, right, there's going to be an opening, because he was just flawless, but there was too many periods in the game where they just couldn't get him on the ball, and there was no nobody moving for those quick combinations in front of him. So I think they've got to try and find a way of getting Odegaard to play as if his life's on the line, you know, where he's trying to, he's trying to you know, find the gaps, because he is the guy that, when everyone else technically has maybe fallen lately that you can rely on, he's going to be more or less flawless. I know for the second goal, he had to play it rushed because it's sort of broken. But apart from that, he's the guy that really does get Arsenal playing with that rhythm. Before we move on, Stanley, I know we want to look ahead, but set piece again. I mean... That guy's enormous, though. I mean, whoever... That guy they bought on... Yeah, but but come on. It's... Second ball, right? It's really, really slack marking, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, there's too many set-piece concessions. And the the framework of of our marking setup has not changed all season. But our sort of delivery and execution has has dropped off in terms of concentration and and sort of a willingness to go and win the ball. Is this the pressure? Is this the pressure getting to them, Adrian? I mean, listen, you've played the game at the Mm. highest level. Uh, Obviously, you know, these players in the main, have not been involved. Some of them, but most of them have not been involved in title run-ins. The pressure has ratcheted up. I remember Amy on this podcast talking about the second half of the season, how much more difficult it is. I mean, do we have to cut them a bit of slack because of their their youth? We do. Not not because of youth, just just a lack of experience as individuals and as a team, more importantly as a team, in playing these high-pressure games during a title run-in. It's the first time they've done it together as a group and and there's definitely tension and there is definitely an element of of players tightening up and when you tighten up you're more prone to make make bad decisions or even a non-decision and and for that goal Rob Holding is is right in in there he's in he's in the prime position um and and the guy just comes late on just sneaks in front of him to flick the ball on and you know 95 times out of 100 Rob attacks the ball doesn't let that guy get in front of him and we clear it at the far stick Zinchenko's picked up a lot of flack because he looks it looks very static but it, it shouldn't really have been in that position in my opinion he basically Zinchenko's a zonal marker at the back so yeah he should have dropped and tried to get his head on the ball and not stood still but actually it was Bakao Saka who was one of three man markers that didn't go with uh, uh, Coletta Char, so um, yeah, right. it was it was it was it was yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a mess all round. I got to say, and it's happened a bit too often. And City are very good at set pieces, right. so we well, have to be much better in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do that in a second. We will do that uh, in a second. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, 
day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Jordan Campbell here on Handbreak Off, the uh, Athletics Arsenal podcast, uh, Wednesday night. Manchester City away. Actually, before we talk about that, by the way, the Arsenal women, I have to say, got a terrific result in Germany early this afternoon. They drew two each with Wolfsburg. Uh, Michael Cox was at the game uh, and he sent us this voice note. Just walking back from the Volkswagen Arena amongst lots of disappointed Wolfsburg fans after what must be considered one of Arsenal's best performances, I think, of this season to go 2-0 down in the early stages considering uh, the injury problems Arsenal have got at the moment. Uh, obviously, Mead and Miedemar have been out for most of the season, but now no Kim Little, no Leah Williamson. It was a completely different system from Jonas Eindeville. He switched to three at the back, which Arsenal haven't used for quite a while. Jem Beattie came in and provided a tremendous physical performance at the back. Arsenal only had two fit central midfielders, really, so they had to be slightly understaffed in that zone. But they compensated for that with uh, the use of Stina Blackstenius, the forward, in a bit of a deeper role, doing a really good defensive job on Lena Oberdorf, who is Wolfsburg's holding midfielder and, and the player who really sets the tempo for their play. And despite Arsenal going 2-0 down, and the second concession, it must be said, was a real horror show when they were playing out from the back and lost the ball. Arsenal's tactical plan always looked good and Jonas Eidevel stuck with the original game plan. He was rewarded for that. Arsenal got a goal back on the stroke of half-time with Rafaela's header. She was the player who had uh, committed the mistake for the concession. And then the goal midway through the second half that means the tie is all square was a tap-in really for Blackstenius after some great work down the right from Victoria Pilova. But I thought it was fitting that it was Blackstenius who got that equaliser because she'd done so much hard work without the ball, a centre-forward, but really playing as almost an extra midfielder. And it leaves Arsenal really, I'd say, in, in control of the tie. Wolfsburg probably a better side at the moment, considering Arsenal's injury problems and Wolfsburg's track record in this competition. But uh, Arsenal, with that second leg at home to uh, a packed Emirates, now have a really good chance of going through. Uh, to the final. Yeah, great result uh, for the women, particularly after losing to May United in the week and losing yet another big player, uh, Leah Williamson, to a major injury. Uh, we do wish her all the best. Uh, we'll certainly talk in more detail about the second leg at the Emirates next Monday. Uh, as of now, 46,000 tickets have been sold. Uh, get down there. There will be some atmosphere uh, for the men's team. All roads lead to the Etihad Stadium on Wednesday night. I mean, this has been the way for some time now. Jordan, uh, Man City look pretty awesome at the moment. I mean, they do. They've got an amazing squad. Pretty much everyone is fit. You know, you can say, how do you stop Haaland? But how do you stop Kevin De Bruyne or Riyad Mahrez if he plays or Jack Grealish? They've got a lot of talent. In in like half a minute, how would you uh, how would you play it? How would you what would you do? <laughs> Is there any tactical tweaks you would make? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I just uh, you can't escape Erling Haaland. How do you stop Erling Haaland? And as much as I don't want to scapegoat Rob Rob Holden, is there a way that you can move Ben White into the middle? And one way I thought about 
you could do it is by bringing Tierney in at right back. He's done it for Scotland before, playing on the wrong side. Grealish, we all know, loves to go inside. Man City have been trying to show players, uh, show teams inside when they're pressing, so Tierney's left foot might help that. And uh, yeah, I think that could be the genius solution, but um, it's probably <laughs> definitely not going to happen. But um, yeah, well, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know what else he can do. I don't think dropping party is a solution. I've seen a lot of calls for that about Jorginho maybe being a bit more secure, but I think City can outplay you, but they can also just run over the top of you because they're such a big side now, powerful. Um, so I, I don't think you start Jorginho. If Jack is back, I think Jack and, and party is enough um, in terms of strength and steel in the middle of the park but yeah I think Arsenal just need to play their game their own game and go and take the game to Man City I don't think they can sit off and try and try and keep them at bay because I don't think you can Adrian what do you think about the idea of uh, Kieran Tierney playing right back and Ben White coming in I mean it's a I mean obviously a bit of a slap in the face of Rob Holding but you know what it's a squad game and we all need to contribute and uh, Tierney's rested and ready, and as Jordan said, he comes inside all the time, Jack Grealish. He rarely goes the other way. I've heard of worse ideas, yeah. I mean, this is... (laughs) There's a compliment. No, no, I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. And and it... Because I haven't seen him play in that position for Scotland, I guess. So, um, it is interesting. Is Tierney playing well enough at the moment to justify a pick? You know, he, he looked a little bit short of confidence at West Ham. Um, but that is that is an idea. And if if Faith is sort of lost in, in Rob or, and that you really are worried about it, then then White will slot across and, and that won't be a problem. I, I can see it. I think I think that the back four has to stay in place much more um in this game. Because they their, their wide men are in terrific form. Grealish for a start is gonna hug the touchline. Mares just scored a hat trick. Will it be him? Will it be Bernardo Silva? We'll have to wait and see. But they, you need to keep that back four in place as often as as often as possible. The tweak is really in in that midfield. Do you just go with two? Do you sort of reconfigure it and go with the two sitting midfielders, uh, e.g. Thomas Partey and Xhaka, or Thomas Partey and Jorginho, potentially? I think it would be a big call to leave Granite out of a game like this. And we missed Granite the other night, didn't we, as well, by the way. I mean, I, I, mean, so, I don't yeah. want to have a go at Vieira at all. I, I, I would like to see a Millsmith throw come on instead of him. But mm. Granite Xhaka is one of those guys that you only sort of realise how good he is when he's not playing. Yeah, and you miss his height as well. He, he, would, he would probably have been marking in that three, that band of three for that corner where I said that Saka kind of allowed the guy to get away from him. And behind Zinchenko, you know, Xhaka might have taken better charge of that situation. <sighs> this talk, I think I would play the City boys, Zinchenko and Jesus. I just think they've been so good for us all, all season. Oh, it's I a match that means it. a lot to both of them. And I think they are potential match winners for us. You know, Zinchenko's distribution is, is still huge. You've got to pick Saka and Martinelli. Which which really just leaves the skipper. And I, I don't want to leave Martin Erdegaard out because I think I think that that you you have to go and nick the ball from Manchester City sometimes. You have to apply a bit of pressure. He leads and, the press, doesn't he, quite and, and often. He, he does it very, very well. And so I think you go with the front four, but maybe you just ask that midfield two and the back four to kind of stay in place and, and, and really not, not get moved around too much. Because if they are, it's going to be a, a really difficult game. And 
Jordan, I was asking Adrian about pressure earlier. Has this game it's sort of changed a, a little bit? Because, you know, two, three weeks ago, if we'd have maintained our form and won a couple of those games instead of drawing, um, we'd only really need to go for a draw in this game. Whereas now, a win, it's not imperative because a draw will still keep us five points clear. Um, they will have a couple of games in hand. But do you think that the pressure has shifted away from them a little bit because of what's happened the last few weeks? Yeah, it depends how you look at it. You could say it's shifted away from them because it now feels like it's maybe slipped them out of their grasp and they weren't expected to win it anyway. So this could be a sort of last chance saloon shot to nothing kind of thing. But then I also think it's maybe made it more, it's given them clarity in the sense that you know, you can't expect anybody to take points off City. You just can't. You need to work on the basis that they are going to beat everyone because they're capable of it. So if that's true, then Arsenal probably do need to win at the Etihad. So in that sense, it, it maybe doesn't leave any room for grey areas. But um, I, I, I think, the, the, I know obviously I threw out the, the wild cards suggestion of putting Tierney in at right back, but I guess the problem is if, if Arteta moves away from the shape or is seen to tell his players that you need to be worried about Man City. Like we, For the first time, we're going to deviate away. I just don't see him doing it because I think that would send the wrong message. And I, But my, my concern, though, talking about the pressure, is that in title races, I don't think you can have this many sort of emotionally draining games because I think that takes a mental toll. Adrian will know better than me, but I think that can accumulate over time because you've got to have your three nils, four nils where the game's done in the first half and Liverpool and West Ham probably should have been those stress-free games I just wonder, I just worry that maybe psychologically it's really taken a lot out of them in the last three weeks but I guess if there's one game that you don't need to switch yourself on you've got, you're going to be switched on as <laughs> Man City so <laughs> it's like we can give ourselves a mental breather in possession in this game you know this is this is one game that we're not expected to control I guess but we do have players that can help us control it for periods and that will just ease the pressure on those defensive players whose whose minds are going to be spinning you know the focus has got to be so so intense hasn't it over that 90 minutes so we really need to be calm like we were at Anfield uh, and West Ham early on in those games just really take the sting out of it and and I think we will go and press them we pressed them in the cup game didn't we and to good effect actually at the Etihad and I think what we can do is basically you know try and leave that back back four and midfield two in place and and ask the front four to go and win us the game you know when when, when we've got opportunities to from transitions um, it's going to take a real collective team effort isn't it but we've got the players we have got the play. We've and we've got, got the, the heart. To do it. And we've got the heart and character to we do have. it as well. We have. It's just, yeah, it's just the other thing that they tried in both games, actually, City, was went really long, didn't they, to Haaland? Very direct. So we've got to be ready for that again um, and get, get our distances right. Quite. And finally, I mean, I spoke to James McNicholas, also of this parish on occasion, uh, about this very thing. And he said, if we lose to City three times, then they are the better team and we have to accept that. So uh, the boys the boys will know what they have to do and I think it seems to me that um, that's not a bad way to go into a game, Jordan, that you just know that we, we, we have to get a result. We haven't got... We've lost, I think, the last 11 or 12 games against them or something like yeah. that. Uh, but as Adrian said, we're well capable of doing so. Yeah, I think it was 2015, the last league win against City um, before so, Brexit yeah. that's how long ago <laughs> there we go yeah yeah, <laughs> With, uh, yeah. but they, uh, 
Yeah, yeah I think like, this will be the first time these Arsenal players have been underdog in how long? You know, like the pressure is actually not on them, the expectation is not on them, so that could that could free them up. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've just got to go and play their own game. I feel sorry for Trossard. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned Trossard and that he's been so good since he came in and I thought he was brilliant the other night when he came on as well. But it's just like, where do you fit him in? And I think that's testament to the rest of the players is that they've got so much in the bank with the fans and Arteta for what they've done this season is that uh, you know, people are forgetting they're still five points ahead. You know, <laughs> they've got the points people. in the bank. You need to keep remembering it's like it's not they're not five points behind. Like they're still five points ahead. So um, even if they do lose, stranger things have happened than um, than than that. But I I think you know City can blow any team away. They can beat anybody by three four goals. That could easily happen. But I think there's only a few teams that can hurt City. And I think Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, Odegaard. They have the the ability to attack City, and especially with Aki, um, uh, he's been important to Very to City's new new shape they've been playing. So if Laporte comes in, I'd fancy Saka to have a right go at him. Oh, love the way we ended that. That's really oh. really nice. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to add any more to that. Let's have a song. No 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 no. Honestly, that was beautiful. I I follow you anywhere, Jordan. At this point, um, <laughs> let's have a song before we go, Jordan. I mean, you obviously do know that we have a song at the end of. Uh, yeah, podcast. I was told. You, I was told. Got? I was told this about ten to six. So I just had okay. to quickly <laughs> scramble through. But I'm going to go. You know. I'm all about keeping the faith, so I'm going to go Three Little Buds by Bob Marley. Steal it off Ajax for the night, and uh, every every little thing's going to be all right. That's my yeah, nice, my message. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, what have you got, Adrian? Oh, it came on the radio uh, this morning, and I thought, ah, that could be a song for the pod. Um, Shalimar, A Night to Remember. Let's make it. A night to remember. Let's uh, make it a night to remember. I yeah. absolutely uh, concur with that. Um, I've, I've. It's not negative as such, but I just wanted to just continue the lament for a bit longer for William Saliba. I've gone for missing by everything but the girl. I miss you. We miss you, William Saliba, like the deserts miss the rain. Uh, but maybe you'll be back for the last few games of the season. Who knows? Maybe the prognosis won't be quite right. That's it for Handbrake Off. Thanks to Jordan Campbell, Adrian Clark, Michael Cox and David Ornstein. And thanks to our producer, Abby. And um, <laughs> enjoy Wednesday night. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> 